You are listening to the Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Micah Beckwith. Well, good morning, Life Church. How you doing? Good? It's good to see you all. Even the smallest light pierces the darkness. If you've ever been in a dark room, you know what that means. It's with that little light, just a flicker, it'll, it'll cut through the darkness so fast and so strongly. It's amazing. And I'm glad that you've joined us. This next two weeks, we're going to be taking a break for 2 Samuel, and we're going to be going into our, our evangelism series. So Life Church, we're all about reaching the lost and standing for truth and making God known, making his name famous, making his, his light shine into the dark world like, like, like the brilliance that it's supposed to be. And that's what Life Church is about. So if you're new with us, we just want to say thank you for coming and, and standing with us. I'm Pastor Micah. We have four campuses. God's doing an amazing thing at Life Church. And, and you, you have been surrounded. If you've come into this room, I promise you, you are surrounded by people who are boldly being the salt and the light of, of a dying world. They are taking the truth with power into the darkness. They're taking the light into the darkness. They're being the salt that preserves what the devil is trying to destroy. The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come so that you might have life and life more abundantly. How do you tell the world about Jesus is the question. And today we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into that. And we, we, also, we also have um, a few things coming up, just so you know. If you want to be a light in a dark place, I, I want to I hit real quick, just, just so you know that this is happening. So we've got the Rugged Discipleship uh, Men's uh, event coming up on the 19th, on Saturday the 19th. All campuses coming together. There's going to be a former uh, NFL football player. He's going to be here. He's, a, he's just a stud of a guy. And uh, we were going to do things like axe throwing and... Um, and a caper toss. You guys know what a caper toss is? It's like one of those giant trees that you just like throw up. I'm telling you, we're going to need a lot of Ben Gay and Icy Hot after that. But, uh, but you know what? We're going to have fun. And Mel Arnold challenged, he's from Pendleton. He's a Pendleton campus. He challenged the Noblesville campus to a tug of war contest. So, man, I need you to sign up. Don't let me down here, okay? Don't, Omar, we really need you, okay? We really need you. I'm telling you, man. You're, this, you're a big boy, and I think that, that we gotta, we're, we're bringing the heat. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. We got men in this room. Omar is one of those men. So we're going we're gonna to whoop the Pendleton campus, okay? That's all right. I said it. I said it, Pendleton, if you're watching right now. Bring it on. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, hey, we got some other things, too, on how to engage and be a light in darkness. So we have our TPUSA Faith booth set up uh, out there, and that's just how to, be, how to be the light into the political world, bring the, the gospel into the political world. We're going to look today at what Paul did on, on Mars Hill. He went into the political center of that society, and he, and he brought God's word. We believe we should be doing that here at Life Church as well. So if you go out to the Turning Point USA booth, um, you can, you can, or the table that Greg is out there. I think Melba Kaiser is, is uh, she's collecting signatures for uh, a gubernatorial candidate that's trying to get on the, the ballot, Kurt, Curtis Hill. And uh, if you want to support uh, just people getting on the ballot, it's not saying you're, you're pledging your support or endorsing him in any way. It's just saying, hey, do you believe that people should have ballot access? 
they've got to get a certain amount of signatures to get on the ballot. So, so if you want to take part in that, see Melba afterwards. The other thing too, we're fighting a battle for the, the, the minds of the next generation. And any pastor who's not addressing this in our, in our country is missing the, the boat big time, right? The, the, the battle is in the minds of the people and specifically in the middle schools around our country, the elementary schools around our country. And being on the library board that I sit on, I have seen it firsthand what the devil is trying to do to warp the minds of children and put lies in there and rep- and instead of the truth. And, and so one of the battles that we have is coming up uh, Tuesday night, if you're around, uh, the, the Noblesville School Board at 7 o'clock is meeting, and they, they have to av- appoint people to these, to these boards, to the library board. One of the person that's the appointees of the library board is a lady named or- Laura Allerding. She's a friend of mine. She's a very strong, bold fighter. She believes that we should protect the innocence of children. The Noblesville School Board probably is going to remove her on Tuesday from her appointment, which will then flip the balance of power to people who don't want to protect the innocence of children. So don't lose heart in that, but I would say show up and voice your opinion. Show up and say, hey, we need to protect the innocence of our children. It's not appropriate for pornographic material to fall into the hands of kids and, and teenagers. We want yeah. to, it's really not appropriate to fall in the hands of anyone, right? But like, but, but specifically children and teens. And so, so if you can do that and you're around on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, show up to the Noblesville School Board meeting and uh, we want to be that, again, that bold truth, that light in darkness. Now, darkness is going to be offended, right? You're going to make people mad. But that's what John 1 says. The light came into the darkness and the darkness knew it not. Jesus offends the darkness. Not because he wants to be offensive, not because he's calling us to be offensive, but that's just what's going to happen. When the light comes into the dark place, people always do this, right? Ugh. You know, when your eyes have been adjusted to darkness and then a bright light shines, it's, it's a shocking kind of offensive moment. But it is for the, the, the pr- preservation and it's for the salvation of all on earth. And that's what it means to make God known. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. So join us if you would and, and, uh, and, in all of those endeavors, wherever you feel God calling you, and we are taking back what the enemy stole without a doubt. Amen. We've got a few new members that have gone through the membership class and, and they have said, we're partnering with Life Church because we believe that you are a bold, truth-speaking church. And so if you're in this room and your name is on that list, would you go ahead and stand up? We want to pray over you. So go ahead and stand if you're, if you're in the room here. So, okay, we <laughs> only one. Oh, wait, two. Is there another, someone else? Oh, there we go. All right. So we got, oh, there we go. Austin. So, okay, well, hey, we're going to, uh, if, you're, if you're close, just r- raise your hands out towards those people. We're going to pray over their families and a blessing. They partnered with us. They're saying, I'm making Life Church my home. We're so glad that you're doing that. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're doing in the families represented here, Lord. Thank you for all of the, the power and the spirit that you are pouring out upon them right now. Thank you that you are calling them to walk in boldness. And Lord, we pray that you protect, preserve, prosper, and bless their homes. God, bless them, grow them closer to you as they partner and join with us in membership here at Life Church. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, give it up for the new members. Yeah. We. Uh, if you'd like more information on how to become a, new, a member yourself, we, we just ask you to go through uh, a growth track uh, class. It's uh, three, uh, two online videos that you watch, and then you come one night, and we just want to know who's among us. The Bible says, know those you labor amongst. 
And so we want you to know what we believe and we want to know where, where you come from and what you're walking into. And, and, and so it just helps us grow together. So that's what we do. But it's all to take the gospel into the world. The Great Commission is going to all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I said, go into all the world and make disciples of all men. It's actually make disciples of all nations. So even nations is a, is a political term right there. It's, it's boundaries, constitutions, it's, it's the cities, it's within the nations. But going in everywhere you can go with the gospel, that should be our goal. Why is that our goal? Because Jesus himself came to seek and save the lost, according to Luke 19, verse 10. His whole purpose of stepping off his throne in glory on that first Christmas, going to Bethlehem and, and saying, hey, I'm coming to you, is because we were lost. We needed a savior. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. You are separated from God because of your fallen sin state. But that wasn't good enough for God. He wasn't just gonna leave you there in despair and destruction. He said, I'm gonna go after you. And the, and the God of the universe, now some people say, how is God Jesus? How is Jesus God? John 1 gives us that insight. It says, the word became flesh. The word became flesh. The, Jesus is the word of God with flesh on. If you had the power, you know, you know what I, who I am, don't you? You know me, church. How do you know me? Because you hear the words coming out of my mouth. You hear what I believe. You hear what's in my heart because I'm speaking to you. What God did on that very first Christmas, that very first Christmas, he said, he put flesh on that word, and the word walked out. That's why Jesus says, I can't say anything the Father hasn't already said, because he is the word. So it would be like, you know, it would be like me uh, saying to Pete, I'm going to pick on Pete because I always pick on Pete. Uh, and so it would be like me saying, hey, Pete, I love you. And then my word had flesh on it, and that flesh came to you and said, hey, Pete, God, Micah loves you. Micah loves you. Right? Now, it would be weird if the, if my, if the word came, I said, Pete, I love you, and then the, the flesh thing, whatever that is, comes to you and says, hey, Pete, Micah doesn't like you at all. He thinks you're terrible. And he went, actually, your boat is not a good, good boat. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I always give him a hard time about his boat. Yeah, so, yeah, it's always about the boat. Uh, but no, that, it wouldn't, that's, not what, that's not my heart. That's not what I have said. Jesus can't say anything the Father hasn't already said. That's who Jesus is, just so you know. I'm giving you the backstory on who he is. He's the Word made flesh. And he came to earth to seek you out, to find you. And we at Life Church have been, for 20 years, we've been promoting the truth of the gospel so that we can walk in the same identity as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We want to seek and save the lost. We want to take the gospel to them. Why? Because our Father in heaven did that, and we are made in his image, and we should do what he does and say what he does and act how he acts. End of story. The, the fact that we started with just four people blows my mind. We, now we have four campuses. I think that's just awesome. It's just God, we're, we're, God never rescinded the first commandment he gave to man. You know what that was? Be fruitful and, which is exactly the evangelistic message, right? Make more of who you are and make more of my people, make more of the kingdom. Be, build that kingdom, bringing people from all walks of life, every tribe, tongue, and nation. He wants, he's calling unto himself. That's why we share our faith. Now today in our message, uh, we're going we're gonna to dive in. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to open up the word. But normally in my, my notes, I just have the, 
the reference, and you can, you can follow, you can, we're typically writing one passage of Scripture, because if you're new here, we just go right through Scripture verse by verse. But today, because it's a little bit of an offshoot series, I have a lot of Scriptures, and I put them all on your notes for you so you can follow along. But uh, we're going we're gonna to dive into what does God's Word say about sharing our faith? Why do we do it, and how do we do it? What are some of the strategies? What can you be confident in knowing as you walk out into a really dark world with the light that should not be hidden? So that's what today is about. So let me pray and we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us to be just evangelistic in our hearts, God, to seek and save the lost. Lord, we know that that's your heart. You showed us that. You've said that. And Lord, teach us how to be effective in taking the gospel, the good news, to a hurting world. Lord, we know that when your presence comes, when your truth comes, it, it just brings life. And we want to see life and life abundantly for every single person we meet. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So why do we share our faith? Well, let me give you a few practical steps why we're called to share our faith. First of all, because this is the calling. This is your calling. It's my calling. All of us are called to share faith. In Matthew 5.13, it says this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be using the, the message version of the Bible today. And I normally am in the ESV or the ASV or the NIV or the NLT or something like that. If you don't know what those are, don't worry about it. It's they're a little bit deeper when it comes to the Greek and the Hebrew and things like that. The message version is just modern, plain English. It doesn't go quite as deep, but it certainly is just gets the, it communicates really plainly to people who don't know Christianese, okay? So Christianese is just those, those things like, hey, are you covered in the blood? You say that to somebody who knows nothing about Christianity, and they're going to be like, uh, no, and I would not like to be, uh, thank you very much, you know? It's uh, what kind of disease are you carrying, you know? So, uh, but that's Christianese. So the message really kind of helps break it down very simply for our culture. But this is what Matthew 5, 13 and 16 says. It says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. He's going to throw you out. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. That's, I, love that. I love that line, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. We all know that reference. We've seen that used time and time again. You're an example to the world around you. You should be seen just as much as you're heard. You are an example. You're a city on a hill. If, you make your, if, you make, if I make you light bearers, you, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now, now that I put you on that, on that hilltop, on a high stand, shine. On a high light stand, shine. Shine brightly. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to be open with God, this generous Father in heaven. Second Peter 2 verse 3 or chapter 3 verse 9 says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. You know, I I uh, sometimes think, Lord, why don't why don't you just come back? Why don't you just like you know, we know you're going to come back. We know you're going to put put right in its place, you're gonna you're gonna make you're gonna just you're gonna bring justice and righteousness and and you're gonna establish your kingdom. Just do it. What are you waiting for? 
like, you know, like I know, like, like I can, like I have any business telling God, like, hey, you need to hurry up, right? Uh, but you know, sometimes I think that way. I say, oh Lord, come on, what are you waiting for? And he always brings me back to this conversation that he had with me a few years ago. And I was asking him this question and he took me to a passage in scripture and it was Joel chapter two, verse 31. It says, the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. And I stopped and I thought about that. I said, that's sort of an odd way to say that great and terrible day of, of the Lord. I, what, I don't understand. Like great is good, in my opinion. Terrible is bad, right? Like so great and terrible. It doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense. These are, these are polar opposites. And the Lord just hit me so hard. He said, Micah, it's going to be great from your perspective. You know me. You're covered in the blood. You're washed clean, white as snow. It's going to be great for you. But think about the billions of people who don't know me, who have chose to walk away from me, who have rejected me. How do you think it's going to be for them? And it hit me. I was like, ooh, yeah, that's right. It's going to be terrible for them. And he said, I'm waiting because I love them too. I'm going to wait as long as I possibly can because I love them too. And when, when will that be? I don't know. But I'm telling you right now, he's not slow. He's patient because it's not his will that any should perish. So we share our faith because this is our calling so that no one would perish because that's God's heart. We also share our faith because people need the Lord. People need the Lord. It's, if, you, if you're going through life, and you don't have the Lord, you're missing something. And John 3, 17 says this. This is right after the most important, probably the most popular, well-known verse in the Bible is John 3, 16. But most people don't ever get to 3, 17. 3, 17 says this. God did not go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. He's not coming to the world to say, you did this, you did that, you're wrong, and I'm bringing the divine hammer down on your head right now. It's not what he's doing. He didn't. He didn't sacrifice himself just so he could tell you you're wrong. He's telling, or pointing an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it is. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted to put the world right again. Think about that. If it says world right again, when was the other time that the world was right? In the Garden of Eden. We think that the timeline is like this. And then... God comes, and then we go off to heaven. Right? That's not what it is. You, you and I were never designed to be, to be dwelling in the third heaven, in the spirit realm. We were always designed to be human. And it started in the Garden of Eden. Perfect. It was at the top. God gave it to Adam and Eve. And then they fell. And it hits. Society begins to just degrade and die. It comes all the way to this point down here. And then something happened 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem. Right there, God steps out off his throne, comes down to seek and save the lost. And now it's going right back to where it, it started. And if you think that you're going to be a spirit someday and just dwell in some cloud or some heavenly realm somewhere, that's not how it is. You're going to be on earth. There will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth and you're, you'll have a new body. You will recognize people from your past. You'll recognize probably even places of the old earth. I don't think God's looking to, it's going to be new, but he's making it new right now. I don't think it's going to be something where we say, oh my goodness, you remember that planet that we used to live on? No, the planet's going to be here. It's all going back to what it was designed to be in the Garden of Eden. 
God never intended Adam and Eve to come and live with him somewhere. God always intended to be with Adam and Eve, to walk with them in the cool of the day. He created them for fellowship and he came to them. And then they sinned, that fellowship was broken, and then we had separation, and now we have just despair and death and destruction all around because of sin. And the rest of that passage says, but anyone who rejects me, anyone who refuses to trust him as long, has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when it introduced to him. Everyone's going to have a chance to receive Jesus or reject, reject Jesus. But those who refuse him are going to end, end up walking themselves right into a death sentence. Now there's this, we, people, people, need, people need God, and people, people also want God. That's, that's step three. People also want the Lord. Now, they may not know that they want the Lord, but they do. The Bible says that in Hebrews 1.3, the Lord sustains all things by the word of his power. You're being held together literally by the power of God's word right now. The universe is being held together by the power of God's word right now. I was watching a documentary on PBS. It was the Nova series, which I kind of like. It's not really coming out at it from a Christian perspective in any way, shape, or form, but it is talking about creation. And you know what the Bible says about creation? All creation points to the glory of God. You don't have to be a Christian to see that. You can just see creation. And so even these atheist scientists who don't know God, they don't think that this was a creation. They think that this was just random chance that this complex, beautiful universe just happened to exist one day. You know, that, that's, that's where they're coming from. But they did this story on, on a... Uh, on quantum physics. And there's this physics idea that they believe is actually true. They've never been able to see it because they don't have a microscope that's strong enough to get this small. But 11 times smaller than an atom, they finally found the theory that holds everything together. From the largest star in the universe to the smallest insect on this ground to the stage and even you and I. And it's this thing called the string theory. And the string theory is a theory that everything is held together by these little reverberating strings. Now, when Albert Einstein died, he died trying to find the theory of everything. He knew the theory of relativity, which had to do with gravity and how big things like planets stay orderly. Why does the moon and the sun stay in their place? Well, it's all because of gravity. It's big. But he could never get it to reconcile with the smallest of all things, the, the atom, the nucleus of an atom. It's chaos when you go down and look at that. It doesn't seem like it makes any connection. He said, there's got to be one thing that holds it all together. And he, he died trying to find. Well, now scientists have said that one thing is the string theory. These little reverberating strings that are making frequencies at different, different fre frequency uh, ranges, they're holding everything together. So, you know when a singer sings really loud and it busts the glass? Have we, has anyone ever done that, by the way? I think that's real. I don't know. I see it on the movies. It's got to be real, right? Uh, where someone sings so loud that it cracks a glass. How does that happen? It's because it's, it's, it's reverberating at such, such the right frequency that it's holding that glass together. And then all of a sudden, something comes in and knocks that frequency array, and it shatters the glass. It just goes, whoosh. Well, the Bible says that the Lord sustains all things by the word of his power. And when I saw this, I said, oh my gosh, this is it. If I'm a musician, I know what happens when frequencies are exuded. When you speak, there's a frequency being made. What did God do when he created the earth? 
He spoke it into existence. He's speaking and it's holding it all together. People want the Lord, they just don't know it yet. And have you ever heard that testimony where, the, where someone says, man, I was running from the Lord and then I got, God got a hold of me and I gave my life to him and it just seemed like everything came into harmony. It didn't mean that it was easy, but it just means like, it was like, right. I don't know what it was. And I say, you know what? The very word that was holding you together, you were in dissonance with it. Now, if you're a musician, you know dissonance. Actually, you know what? If you, hold on a second. If you're not a musician, you still know dissonance. So let me show you, okay? Okay, so, okay, so he sounds nice, you know, should be like at Von Mar or something, you know, playing over, <laughs> over Christmas, you know. Did you, did you catch that there? Ah, right? Okay, what did I do? Well, you may not know. You're like, I'm not a musician, but you knew something was wrong, right? So here we go. Oh, right? Okay, like. That doesn't seem right. That, what, what are you doing there, Mike? Get off the keyboard. Jonah, get Jonah back on the keyboard is what you'd start saying, right? You know dissonance. It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. When you're walking away from the Lord, you've, wa- you've created dissonance with the very thing that's holding you together. And so now when, you're, when you're, your life is in conflict with God's word, the thing that's holding you together, you're saying, man, something doesn't feel right. Yeah, well, because there's dissonance there. You don't have to know what it is, you can, but you can certainly feel it. You ever heard Louis Giglio's sermon on laminin? You guys ever heard that? Amazing sermon. He was talking to a physicist. He said, hey, the word, the thing that you were talking about, go and study the very mal- the molecular structure of a thing called laminin. It's the thing that holds every human being together. If you didn't have it, you'd be a blob. You wouldn't be able to exist. There's billions of these little cells called laminin in every human body. And if you didn't have it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do anything. You'd just be a blob. So go, go and look at the molecular structure. structure. And Louis Giglio tells it so, so much better than I, I do. But he said he pulled open the internet. He, he typed in laminin. And guess what the molecular structure, what shape it is in? A cross. It's just the Lord showing off right? It's just God saying, I am holding you together literally. And if you're in conflict with my word, that's holding you together because he sustains everything by his word. Well, then there's going to be something that you know you need, you don't have. And you're like, what am I missing? That's the evangelistic spirit. We're taking the, the, we're, the cure for cancer. We're taking it to the cancer patient. They know they need something. They don't know what it is. Take it to them. The evangelists will do everything in their power to get that word of truth in life to the broken and the hurting and the dying. John 10, 10, I came so that they can have a real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. There's, there's so many stories of celebrities at the top of their, their career, the top of their game, who are still empty, who still have not found what they're looking for. Even you, t- you too wrote a song, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right? Well, b- because they know something's missing. They know there's a word in them that's creating dissonance. And like, what am I looking for? I'm trying to find it. And so they fill it with money. They fill it with fame. They fill it with, with the success and women and men and, and all of the things that you would, you're told that will bring you happiness and fulfillment. A great example of 
how this is never going to fill the God-shaped void that we all have in us is a man named Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain, if you, if you followed 90s music, was the lead singer of a popular grunge band that kind of blew up in success called Nirvana. And he had everything, seemingly. He had all the fame, all the fortune, all the success. He had the women. He had everything he wanted. And then the news came on in the mid-90s there that, that Kurt Cobain had killed himself took his own life. And it shocked everyone. They said, what? He had it all. No, he did not have it all. You know what he was missing? He was missing the very thing that would have brought harmony into his existence, and that's the Word of God. He was missing the most, the most basic of all things, the most, the most freest of all gifts. It's right there for anyone to take it, and yet so many reject it, and then they search and search and search to try to find something to fill that void. And they'll never do it. We share our faith because this is our calling, because people need the Lord, because people want the Lord, and because you and I were both once lost. You and I were both once lost. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means if you, if you, if you embody all, raise your hand. Like, are you part of the all in that passage? Okay, listen, every, I'm just seeing if you're awake, right? Okay, there's half of you who are asleep right now. Everyone should raise their hand right now. Okay, right, there we go, perfect. Okay, now you're awake. All right, good. All right, you all have sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. We needed a Savior. We found the Lord. God has saved us now. This is what 2 Corinthians says. Because Christ's love for us compels us, because we are convinced that one died for me and for you. He's died for us all. So now let us lay down our life and carry our cross and go now and follow in his footsteps. That's therefore all have died. One died once and for all, therefore now we get to die to ourselves and follow in the rabbi, the carpenter, the master's footsteps. Galatians 5.22 in the message says, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that the fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others. Things like exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, uh, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that, that a basic holiness permeates things of, in people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. So here's what, if you walk with the Lord and you're, in a, you're, you're an evangelist, but you've also latched on to being a disciple of Jesus, you're going to have things that the world finds attractive. You're going to have things like joy. Boy, I tell you what, right, right now, joy just sets you apart right there. The joy that overflows. The joy of the Lord is your strength. People are saying, how can we even go through this life? And you walk in with a smile on your face. You say, hey, yeah, it's not easy. And it might be hard, but boy, I know who wins the victory. Right? Amen. Boy, that's the joy of the Lord right there. I don't know how you could be following uh, you know, a, another God or an atheist or, or being someone who doesn't know Jesus and have joy in this world. I just don't know. People, people sometimes muster up a smile, but boy, it would be a disparaging, depress depressing life because what are you living for? But with Jesus, you know what you're living for. You're living for his calling and there is a great re reward that's waiting for all of us in eternity. And boy, that just should bring joy, get, help you get you up every every day. It also brings peace. The fruit is the peace that, sub, that subdues. So when, when the storms of this life are just billowing 
and knocking people off their feet left and right around you, you can walk in with the Spirit of God that brings a calming, peaceful presence. Peace that surpasses all understandings. It brings patience, patience that endures, patience that won't give up, patience like the Lord said. I'm not slow, I'm patient because I'm enduring for your sake. I'm reaching for you. I'm coming after you. I'm relentless. I'm not going to give up and leave you to die. Patience is what a follower of Jesus has. Kindness in action. Being kind. You know, there's a difference between being kind and nice. Kindness is a biblical quality. Niceness is not. Niceness is actually the etymology of that word. It's a Greek word, and it actually means ignorant, if you want to be flat out. So if, ever, if someone ever says, if everyone ever says, man, you should be more nice. I'm like, no, I'm not ignorant. Thank you very much. It's like, it's like, you should be nicer. Mm-mm, nope, nope. But kind is a biblical quality. Kindness means you're willing to, to extend unconditional love. Doesn't mean that you don't, you don't fight. It doesn't mean that you don't, you know, pull out the rod and beat away the wolves. It just means that you're, you're ready and willing to have that unconditional love. Now, sometimes fighting for those that you love is an act of kindness. Not to the person you're fighting, but to the people that you're loving and protecting. But kindness is a biblical virtue. Then you have faith that prevails. Sometimes, man, faith, I was praying the other day, Lord, I have faith, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help me in this. It's not easy. My wife's sister is going through really bad health problems right now. We've been praying for her, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. And so we're just saying, Lord, like, step in. And I remember just, you know, just the other day just thinking, Lord, I, I know prayer is powerful, but right now, it doesn't feel like prayer is powerful. And that's when the Spirit of the Lord just comes in. He says, I'm helping you through this. But I don't give up because I know. I'm telling my, that's when my mind kicked in. My mind said to my soul, my mind said to the, the emotions that I was dealing with, my mind said, there is power in the Lord. There is power in prayer. And I'm going to stand on that, that promise right now. That's faith. But you have faith that prevails, and it will prevail. I know that. It will prevail. You have gentleness of heart, and you have strength of spirit. Two seemingly polar opposite things, gentleness and strength. No, gentleness and strength go hand in hand. God, God holds the sparrow in his hand and yet can crush mighty nations with his word. Gentleness and strength. A warrior understands how to walk in power, but also knows how to bend down and be gentle with those around him. Ultimately, if you want the world to follow Jesus and to see what you have seen as a follower of Jesus, this should be your constant thought in your mind. I want to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God want to know God because they know me. I want my life to be so attractive that people who know me but don't know God will want to know God because they know me. So how do we do this? Well, let me give you just a couple practical steps here of how to help people come around and see God through you. First of all, those who know God, they also they have to recognize, they have to recognize the moments. Don't forget a moment. Don't let a moment pass you by. Walk in, 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 in a power of the Spirit that says, hey, Micah, this is a moment right now that you need to move and act this way. Don't miss it. Now, it's hard to do that when you can't hear the voice of the Lord. And I know hearing the voice of the Lord is sometimes people are saying, I don't know how to hear the voice of the Lord. I'm going to tell you right now, hearing the voice of the Lord means walking in the Spirit-filled movement. You have to have the Spirit of the Lord resting upon you. You can hear the voice of the Lord through Scripture, but God is also speaking to you 
the way that I'm speaking to you. He's just opening his mouth, saying something directly to you. And those who don't have that baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a lot harder for you to hear the voice of the Lord. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that you're any less of a citizen of heaven. It just means that you haven't learned how to receive this hearing that God wants to give each person. So walk in the power of the Spirit. Being prophetic, this is, we talk about the prophetic a lot here at Life Church. The prophetic really just means being able to hear the voice of God. That's what prophets do. There's not a secret to it other than they just, they've learned to hear God's voice. And so when they say, hey, this is gonna happen, and it happens, well, how did that happen? Well, they heard the voice of the Lord. Or they say, hey, this is what you should do. And then you do it, and you're blessed. How did they hear? They, they learned, they're walking in that prophetic movement. Uh, Psalm says this, Psalm 37 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Now you may, be, you may be saying, Micah, but if you only knew my past, if you only know what I've done, you would not say I'm good. And there was a story in scripture where a Pharisee say, came and said, hey, good master, teach us how to follow God. Teach us how to walk with the Lord. And the Lord, and Jesus stops him and says, who is good? He's basically saying, you said good, but what is good? What is good? And I want to ask you that question, what's good? I saw a, a bumper sticker on a car yesterday when I was at my son's soccer game, and you could tell by the bumper stickers that it was a very, you know, far left kind of person, very, very much that worldly ideology. But one of the bumper stickers that she, or he, I'm assuming it's a she because they were pretty girly looking bumper stickers, but <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, nowadays, you know, you can't really tell, right? Okay, so... Uh, but <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the bumper stickers said, be a good human. And if that person was here, or if I had a chance to talk to that person, I would say, I would ask them that question, what is good? You know they're going to spout off things like, well, good is, you know, being nice. Oh, um, excuse me, I'm not ignorant. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. Uh, but she, like being nice or, hey, like, you know, uh, Caring for the sick and the poor and the needy. Like, that's a good thing, right? That is good. Or, uh, you know, accepting people. I'm sure that would probably be the, you know, affirming people would probably be something that a person like that might say. Affirm them in everything that they want to do, right? That's good, right? No, no, no. Good is not any of those things. Only God is good. And Jesus responds to the Pharisee, and he says, you say I'm good, but only God is good. So why do you say good master? You must be saying that I am God. And if you don't know God, you won't know what's good. You might think you have an idea of good, and sometimes you can recognize God's goodness, but you won't fully know who the good master is unless you are, are walking with him. When, when the evangelistic mindset, people say, hey, come follow me. I know the good master. I know the good God. He is good. Proverbs 16, 9 says, we plan our paths. Humans plan our paths, but the Lord's the one who establishes your steps. What a, what a powerful reminder and a beautiful promise that if you love God and you're walking in his ways and you get people to walk with God, you're gonna, he's gonna bless you. I've had many people come to me and say, my Lord, Mike, I've been, I've been praying to the Lord about what direction I should take and he hasn't been real clear about where I should go. I said, are you honoring God? I'm trying to. Are you waking up every morning and saying, God, direct my steps? Yes. Okay, well then rest in this that you plan out your past, but God's really the one who establishes your steps. You're not going to mess it up, right? You think God's small enough that you can mess up his plans if you have a heart for him? No, just, now you can certainly walk away from his promises and you can mess up his will that none should perish because he gives you free will. 
But if you love God and you're honoring God and you're trying to follow him, he's merciful, he's patient, he's kind. He will direct your steps, just like we see here in Proverbs 16, 9. So we saw recognizing the moments God gives you, let him direct your steps. And then the other, number two is refocus on the manner in which I live. Refocus the manner in which you live. So are you living a negative, downtrodden, beat up, like just, I would say pathetic life. <laughs> I don't want to say, again, I don't want to be offensive. Actually, I don't care about being offensive. Uh, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want you to, I don't want you to take this the wrong way necessarily, but there are some Christians who just have a pathetic existence. I'm thinking to myself, you love Jesus, yes. You know he wins, yes I do. Why are you so negative all the time? Well, it's just the world this, and I'm a victim this, and this person this, and that person. No! Refocus the manner in which you live. Be positive, not negative. Here's the, here it is, guys. No matter what the world throws at you, you win. Right? You win! How do you not have a smile on your face? You win! That should lead a whole, just, uh, just an attitude change in your heart. Every day you wake up, it may not be easy, and it may not, and it may not be fun all the time, but I'm, what I'm saying is you win, and it's all because God first loved you, he sought you out, and now he's given you the victory. John 3, 16, the most popular verse in all of the Bible says this, for God loved you so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not die but have eternal life. That's the heart of the evangelistic message. Hey world, hey person who is seemingly lost and you know you're missing something and I know you want something more to fill the void. Do you know there's a God who loves you that much where he gave himself up for you? Hey, I've heard the stories. I've heard, I, think I've, I think I know about him. We are living in a post-culture or post-Christian culture. People don't know the stories that you know. People don't know what you know, and you can't assume that they do. There was a young girl who came to one of our trunk retreats a couple years ago, and she, she was asked, like uh, we were doing a little giveaway, write your favorite Bible character or, ba or your Bible story on a card, and we'll put it in a drawing, and you can potentially get you know, some sweets or candy or whatever. And Pastor Jamie was here at Noblesville at the time, and she said this little girl came up to her, and Pastor Jamie said, okay, hey, write down your, write down your favorite um, your favorite uh, uh, Bible verse. Thank you. The light was, I was like, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> you guys have a good day. <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, the, uh, and this little girl said to Pastor Jamie, she said, I don't know if I have a favorite Bible story. I, I don't know a Bible story. And Pastor Jamie said, what do you mean you don't know a Bible story? And she said, she said uh, like, what about David and Goliath? And this young girl was like, no, I've never heard. What about Daniel in the lion's den? I don't know that. What about Jonah in the fish? You know, the guy got eaten by a whale. Never heard that. Middle schooler, little girl, didn't even know, had no idea what, what those stories were. So you can't assume that people just know what you know. And you've got to take, take it to them in a way that they understand. You gotta go and look for common ground. Where are they coming from? See it from their perspective. Become part of their life. Paul says this, he says, to the weak I become the weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might have some 
or I might save some. He's saying, he's saying I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet them where they're at. I know, I'm going to find out their perspective and meet them there. And a beautiful story was when Paul comes to Mars Hill. He comes to Mars Hill in, in, in Greece. And he's sitting there in Athens. It's at the, the pinnacle of their political environment. It's called the Areopagus. Uh, uh, means the Hill of Ares. They met there and they talked politics. They talked policy. And Paul comes up and he says, he took his stand in the space and he says, it is plain to see that you Athenians take your religion seriously. When I arrived here the other day, I was fascinated with all the shrines that I came across. And then, and then he said, but I found one that it was inscribed this, to the God that nobody knows. So I'm here to introduce you to this God that you don't know so that you can worship more intelligently, know who you're dealing with. You can, you can worship in a way that makes you intelligent. Now to the Athenians, they were very much, they prided themselves on being intelligent, not ignorant. They prided themselves on being, on being the, the brightest scholars, the Socratean type scholars. And so Paul walks in, he sees it from their perspective and he says, hey, I'm gonna come where you guys are at. I'm not gonna start blasting you because of all the shrines that you have and the gods that you're worshiping. I'm gonna find an inn. And he says, hey, let me tell you about this statue over here. You know this statue? Well, they're like, well, that's the one to the God that we don't know because there might be a God we're missing. And he says, let me tell you about that God. What a, what a strategically brilliant move. And many people accept the Lord that day because he talks about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He talks about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice to the Athenians but he met them where they were at. He was patient. He didn't press them. He didn't say, turn or burn. He said, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see where you're at. And I'm gonna come and find a way, pray that the Lord gives me that in so that you can recognize what I have. Second Timothy two says this, says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish and ignorant ar arguments that only starts fights. Now you may be saying, Pastor Micah, yeah, you should, well, you should read that one sometime. So. Uh, <laughs> And you know what? You'd be right, okay? I am not perfect, but I am growing just like all of us are. And, it, and it, so this, I, I was really like, seriously, Lord, do I have to put this one in? He's like, yes, put this one in. Okay, but, but here's the thing. The Lord kind of prompted me. He said, he said, Micah, he said, foolish and ignorant. It doesn't mean never fight. It just means fight with wisdom and discernment. And don't always look for a battle on every hill. Start with the kindness in the olive branch. I will lead you in the battle when the time is to pick up the spear and go to war. But start with the olive branch. We've seen that with David. David has reached out to even foreign kings in 2 Samuel where, where he says, I'm going to extend an olive branch. He, does, he didn't start with the war, with the fight. He started with the kindness. It led into fights because of the response of the wicked. But don't get involved in those foolish, ignorant arguments. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their, those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. And really what this is saying, so you've got to see everybody through the eyes of Jesus. And that's, that's really, the, that's really the, the, the pinnacle, the, the crux of this passage of this series is to see everyone through the eyes of Jesus, even the people who hate your guts because of what you believe and what you stand for. Ask the Lord to give you his eyes for them. Ask the Lord to help you speak to them the way that he would speak to them if he were standing right here with you. 
And when you do that, you will relay the message of hope. I promise you, they may not like it. It might be offensive in the moment, but there will be a message of hope that comes to this hurting world. And you will see many people come to know the Lord. You will see the lost saved and you will see lives restored and you will see abundance. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. What's that saying right there? If you're gonna go out into a world full of wolves, you better be a righteous model. You better live an upstanding life. You better make sure that you're walking with Jesus powerfully and that you're not being a hypocrite so that when they come at you and they try to take you down, you'll say, you know what? An ill-conceived curse is nothing to be feared, is what scripture says. There's an old hymn, and I'm gonna leave you with this, and we have some printouts at the back. If you'd like a hymn, just ask one of the ushers, and I printed out the whole hymn, but it was called, Twas, Twas You Who Invited Me Here. It was, a, it was a hymn written back in the 20th century, and it says this, when I enter that beautiful city and all the saints, and the saints all around me appear, I hope that someone will tell me "Twas you who invited me here. Ask yourself, church, who's gonna be in heaven someday that you invited to heaven? And if you can't think of anyone right now, ask the Lord to make you an evangelist. Ask the Lord to give you opportunities to boldly proclaim the love, the unconditional love of Jesus Christ to those who need you. You'll see up here, we have this box and we have a bunch of cards here. The 21 days of prayer is going on right now. Tomorrow we'll be meeting at 1230 noon hour and we'll be praying. And this box right here is people who need the Lord, people that don't know God, that somebody in our congregation knows, and they say, Jesus needs them, or they need Jesus. Jesus is looking for them. And so go ahead and write somebody's name down. If you know somebody, you're saying, man, I would love to see this person get saved. Write them here, leave them here, and we'll be praying over them for the remainder of the 21 days of prayer. Let's watch God work in their hearts. That's the heart of an evangelist. That's the evangelistic message, to go out and seek and save the lost. And Life Church, we're doing that. I know we are. Our growth is proof of that. But more so, we are doing it all over the world. From India, setting the captives free who are caught in sex slavery, to right here in our, our own town where we're, we're feeding the hungry with the food pantries and with uh, the clothing drives and, and speaking truth and rescuing people from the depths of despair that they have. We're doing it. But that's the heart of an evangelistic person. Would you bow your heads and close, close your eyes? If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.